0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player and everything's gonna be perfect. All of our fans think that, you all think that, that's what you write about.
1: You don't wanna be here, there's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we we sold them on a dream that wasn't true.
2: Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. But at the same time, we're not going to take it with shit either.
3: As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play.
0: Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Hey. hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I
2: want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this
4: shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! <laughs> but you did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vows on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? We're on Christmas break here, but we're still
3: kicking back and drinking some brews. So, did you have a good Christmas yeah, here, Shane? Absolutely, man. I am i mean, I'm i am fat and jolly. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to January 1, man, because I got to get my shit together.
4: <laughs> oh, I got you, Shane. Pretty good one over here for myself. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot. I had to work, but hey, it's not too bad. This doesn't really work if you ask me, so... Uh, we just wanted to get an extra podcast out there for you guys this week because we got two SEC bowl games to get to. We got to break those Super. down a little bit. We had a not a ton of news, but just a little bit of news here. We wanted to hit before we get into those games. Shane, you ready to go around the league?
3: Let's do it. Now let's go, now around, let's the go around the league.
4: My, my
0: daughters said something about wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald, so uh, (laughs) I'm going to wear a hat from here on out.
1: I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
0: Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. I, we'll play anybody you can get to
2: play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you!
4: Yeah, I'm going to need a drink to do this one, Shane, just letting you know. <laughs>
3: Uh, I thought you were watching the Miami game.
4: <laughs> Before we get, uh, you know, into the team news here, Shane, I wanted to make this note. Uh, this comes courtesy of uh, Clay Travis, of course, of Outkick, the coverage, Fox Sports, all that stuff that he does. He, you know, he's reporting. Now, this has kind of already been out there, but this is the first time I've heard it from anyone from Fox Sports. So kind of makes it seem more official that uh, the SEC-CBS deal... It will not continue. I think that was last week that was first reported by the uh, Sports Business Journal. Now we got someone at Fox Sports saying the same thing and why that's kind of important, because if it wasn't going to go to ESPN, there was speculation that Fox was going to get involved because they wanted the SEC package. But here we got someone, Fox, saying it's going to ESPN. So that kind of makes it more official in my mind. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we've hit on this a little bit, but – CBS, that current SEC contract runs until the 2023 season, and they're paying the SEC $55 million for those rights, chain. According to Clay Travis, that's going to get bumped up to around $400 million per season. That'll get divvied up by the 14, but I think the biggest news here that Clay Travis had shared... We may not have to wait till this 2023, Shane. Apparently, that's part of the the ongoing negotiations. ESPN, and I should note ABC as well. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same entity. So anytime I'm saying ESPN, it also includes ABC. ESPN may get the rights starting as soon as next year, buying them from CBS. I don't know how realistic that is because CBS is getting a hell of a deal. But maybe, hell, maybe if ABC... ESPN turns around and says, Hey, we'll give you 400 million per year. Maybe CBS does it. So, thoughts on that, Shane? The SEC, the latest property getting eaten up by ESPN, and uh, thoughts on it potentially switching over as soon as next year?
3: Oh, man. Real quick while I pour out one for Gary Danielson. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I tell you what, man, I'm excited about this. Uh, I think I think it's a good move. Uh, I, I just I, – I'm so curious how it's going to play out now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is ESPN going to be playing everything? Is CBS completely out of college football now? Or will they be playing uh, – you know, I don't know. I it's, I just think that it's a good move, and uh, I'm really looking forward to those primetime games, man. Yeah, and I think it will really open
4: up because obviously ESPN, ABC – I don't know about ABC, but ESPN, SEC Network, obviously, you know – they cover a lot of SEC football. So this kind of keeping it all under the same umbrella. This will probably give us an opportunity to get more Kurt Street and Chris Fowler mm-hmm. and stuff like that on these ESPN, excuse me, on these SEC games. I think that would be big. I think the ratings would go up significantly for these SEC games, which is, I think is a big part of it because obviously ESPN, ABC, they have other packages. So, You know, the CBS one, when you watch it, it's kind of a standalone. You got to – I don't know about you, Shane, but I flip over to CBS, you know, as the game's kicking away, and then I turn off CBS because that's – why the hell else would I be watching it? It's it's just – I'm only tuning in for the SEC, and for ESPN, ABC, they got games before it, they got games after it. You know, I think they're more likely to bring game day to these – SEC campuses, I know they already bring them there for for SEC games, but I think they're more likely to do it if it's promoting one of their games that's upcoming, so I think that's good. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that hates the CBS SEC. I'm a traditionalist, so I, I like it, and I enjoy it, but at the same time, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's kind of like a running joke. These games go, you know, four, four and a half hours long, um, mm-hmm. and they just seem to be really drug out. And of all the networks, in my mind, it just seems like CBS is run, probably by much older people. It just seems like a. It just seems like their presentation and uh, the people they got working for them and covering them. It just doesn't seem like. I don't know. It just seems. It always feels like I'm watching an older broadcast. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, no, I like it, man. Like I said, I just, I there's just something about ABC. Like I'm, I've watched ABC games. I've watched ESPN games. It's just. I don't know, it's just something that they do that I appreciate more with college football. I'm like you; it kind of when I think CVS, I think of golf for some reason, and I saw I kind of get that old old man vibe. But this right here, it just flows better with me. I think coming off game days, and uh, they're going to be pumping up that game, just make it that much more exciting. Uh, something I think they neglect when they do these uh, do these game day uh, traditions, but. It's going to be a different thing. I know they're going to be bringing it the first year especially. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the commentary um, because that's a big part of it too. What What is the big advantage? I mean, I know that game day would be r- – Obviously, pumping up this this uh, the game of the week a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that you know the next gen stats, all that jazz. I don't know if they're going to be bringing any of that, but uh, you know it, it could be exciting um, as far as technology. And and I'm with you on the CBS side. I, I never watched it before the game. I never watched it after. You know they'd be on an hour before the the 3:30 kickoff, and I switch over. So there was no right. draw. Uh, to me watching that channel other than the game. So what what is the the biggest thing I guess you're expecting to see when this, I mean, or is, it, or is it? going to be something we don't see? Maybe it's this extra money that's going to the universities. I mean, is there? You know, are are we going to start seeing even bigger facilities, nicer facilities? I'm sure we will. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just there's a lot of money on the plate, and they really wanted this thing, so I'm excited that uh, that they're taking over. Right. Well, just for me, with the
4: increased money, that just brings more attention. It's going to bring. The value of the league up, the value of all these teams, it's going to make the games before it, the games after it, more important, more valuable, more viewers. It's just going to increase the value for everyone involved. I mean, obviously not CBS. They're going to take a big hit, I would imagine. But the way it's currently structured, Big Ten, Shane, I don't know if you know this, they're actually making more money than the SEC when it comes to TV revenue at the moment. And that's because they're making this bank money. I think they're making... I don't know this figure, but I think I've heard it somewhere around 250, 300 million a year. And then here you got the SEC, and they're, there's more people watching these games, yet they're making 55. So it's not because the SEC kind of—I don't want to say they got out-negotiated or anything—but this was, I believe, this agreement was made about 17 years ago. Yeah. And the the Big Ten one was made, I want to say, like three years ago. So a lot's changed in 15 <laughs> years and that's what it is right there and it's just it's just good to get the sec getting basically what they're worth on a television market and i i can't really see any downside to a deal like this and, and another thing you know that is one thing where look at it like this shane if you're an lsu fan me in particular i, I want to point out to them because i know they love their night games you know a lot of sec fans love their night games well you know, when I think of night games, the first place I go to is Death Valley Tiger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure the 3:30 Eastern, 2:30 Central window is still going to be the marquee slot more often than not if these games get moved to ABC, ESPN as opposed to CBS. But if you're LSU, maybe and there's a huge game, whether it, you know, whether it's Alabama or Florida or whatever, it can still be the prime time spot, and it can still be. Now it can change to night. Yeah, because ABC's got no problem putting a game on at night. ESPN's got no problem putting out at night. Whereas CBS, they were, they did it for that Notre Dame Notre Dame game this year. They do about one a year. Yeah, I don't think ABC ESPN is going to be that uh, tough on the on the slots there for the time. So that's something to also watch. And that's a, if you're a fan, obviously you want the your big primetime game at night. That's another reason why you should be in favor of this move.
3: Absolutely. I And maybe when they give all this money, they'll make Vanderbilt do something, you know? <laughs> maybe that's in the clause, you know, do something. <laughs> all right, Shane, let's kick it on down to Fayetteville.
4: Woo pig! Where obviously, uh, you know, the Razorbacks there had a nice close to the early signing period, but we're moving on from recruiting, Shane, because they have officially hired their offensive coordinator, and they got another good one. They got Kendall Bryles, former Florida State, former FAU, former Houston offensive coordinator, and Baylor. Uh, this guy's been, he's relatively young. I think he's in his mid 30s, but he's been at all those programs, running some successful offenses. I don't think, obviously, it went uh, as well as he would have hoped at Florida State, but that's what happens when the damn <laughs> head coach gets fired, you know, first year on the job there at midseason, basically. So, didn't go as well there at Florida State, but uh, everywhere else, this guy's been. Successful offenses have followed, and you know I really I'm not a big fan of handing out coaching grades till we know the coordinator hires. We have that information at Fayetteville now with Sam Pittman hiring Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom to run his defense, and given those hires, Shane, I've got to make the Sam Pittman hire at least initially. I'm giving this one an A. I mean I think they've knocked this out of the ballpark. This is what you want to see. From a guy like Sam Pittman that's never been in this seat before, give him an offensive coordinator knows what he's doing. Give him a defensive coordinator that clearly has knows the SEC has been very successful. Uh, thoughts on the Razorbacks hiring Kendall
3: Brownstein? I thought it was a fantastic hire, Mike. I mean, you know, I've <laughs> we've got a lot of Razorback fans, and it was blowing up when uh, when w- this news you know broke out. So. Uh, the fans are happy. You know, there's a handful of some that that are a little skeptical, but I think for the most part, everybody's happy with this hire. And uh, this is what what I wanted to see. You know, Sam coming in. You wanted him to see him surround himself with great coaches, because that's kind of you know that's what LSU did. Coach O, you know, he struggled a little bit, but he he surrounded himself with great ball coaches. To assist them and get them to the next level, and I think that's what Arkansas is doing here as well. Uh, so I, I really like the hires, man, all of them. I think Odom was the biggest one, but this mm-hmm. one uh, definitely a close second. And this
4: fits the mold of what Sam Pittman said he's going to go after. They go, they're going, so this is going to be a spread style system, but it's the emphasis is on the running game. I think that's obviously what Arkansas is traditionally known for. I know they got some good receivers. I'm not saying they won't throw the ball, but they'll be balanced for sure. But what I've seen from Kendall Browns they love to run the ball. They love having a quarterback that is a dual threat, like a KJ Jefferson, that may be their guy. And then, if I'm a Razorback fan, one name I'm circling right now, I'm I, about every hour I'm hitting is I'm hitting refresh on Twitter just to see. But uh, DeAndre, I think his name is DeAndre King, the Houston quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that uh, essentially four games into the season, Houston announced that they were shutting him down and, you know, he'll be back next year. Very unorthodox because he's a senior. Never seen a move like this. It was, you know, it was kind of like Kelly Bryant, except they said he was coming back. It's not official that he's coming back. I mean, at any time he could enter that portal in his best season was under Kendall Bryles. He he scored over 50 touchdowns the one year they were together. If he were to enter the transfer portal, Shane, you better believe Sam Pittman, the first number he's (laughs) dialing is Kings. And I I say that because obviously what happened when they kind of shut him down. And um, I actually did get to watch the first game of the year, Houston. They played Oklahoma. I think it was – it wasn't week zero, but I think it was like a Thursday night game, so there was nothing on. I watched it and – he did not seem to fit with the new Houston coaches trying to run there. So I have no knowledge of him, the inner workings there at the university of Houston. I don't know that he's transferring, but I got to think if that's something on the back of his mind, if he wants to play at uh, the major college football level, play in the sec, Arkansas would be his number one option.
1: I
3: like it, man. I, you know, Arkansas's been dealt a rough rough hand this this year, man. You know, with Morris and everything, and and they deserve a nice Christmas. And I'm glad they're getting it one gift at a time. Here we got the great coaching staff. I think Sam's fan, doing fantastic there. Uh, I like the recruiting push that they had, and and uh, keeping boy too. You know, so uh, getting Raheem to come back, and and then mm-hmm. now you've got uh now you've got the Houston quarterback maybe transferring in. Uh, you you, I, you never know, you never know what's gonna happen there, but it just feels like they were due, and uh, it's good news right here at Christmas time, you know. Yeah, and you
4: mentioned that Raheem Boyd, pretty stunning move. I thought I thought he was a goner for sure. He liked to tease the Razorback fans there. Shane, I don't know if you caught this, but before he made his official announcement, you know, an hour or two before, he said, "Hey, I'm I'm making my decision. Please respect it." And all all the Arkansas <laughs> fans, well, God, he's gone. Why, why is he telling us to respect it? He was just messing with you because he's back, and I think he is going to be. I know he's had issues with injury in his career, but I'm putting him first team All SEC preseason ballot. Depending on who returns, you know, I think a guy like DeAndre Swift certainly going to go to the NFL, but he may return. I don't have any knowledge of him officially leaving or anything, but I think Boyd is that good. So that I mean, that's huge. He's going to be the focus of their offense next yes, season. Yes,
3: sir yes
4: sir <laughs> <laughs> all right shane, we'll jump down here to florida just quickly here let's jump on down to gainesville i just wanted to make this note for the gator fans but uh former penn state receiver former five-star recruit this guy was a top 10 prospect in the nation in the 2018 recruiting class shane a guy by the name of justin shorter uh right before we hopped on the podcast here shane he Tweeted out. He's in Gainesville. You know, pictures of the facility and why that's so huge. The Gators losing a ton of receivers. Josh Hammond, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland, Van Jefferson, all of them seniors, they're going to need some help at receiver. I don't know if Shorter would be eligible next season. You know, he'd probably have to apply for a waiver. Seems like those waivers, you know, you never know what you're going to get 50-50, what have you. But uh, with the Gators losing so much, at receiver, getting a former five-star recruit. This guy was rated number eight player nationally, not receiver, but on all the nation in 2018. Uh, he redshirted one year at Penn State. He, only had, he had 12 catches this year, decided to leave. I guess I don't know why he left there, but – Hell, Shane. If Dan Mullen can get him another five-star transfer, <laughs> uh, that's the next best thing to sign him out of high school. So I got to be excited about that if I'm a Gator fan.
3: Absolutely. Is he is he looking at any other SEC schools? I I thought I heard rumors at Kentucky uh, was Kentucky in there. Hmm. Uh, I don't honestly I don't know about that.
4: But by no means has he made a decision. I'm not saying he's going okay. to Florida, but the fact that he's letting it know he's out there. I mean, I <laughs> I think he's he's got to be pretty impressed down there with Dan Mullen's program so far.
3: Yeah, for sure, absolutely.
4: Well, speaking of Dan Mullen Shane, let's jump on down to his former school there. Let's go to Starkville. Oh, doggy, Shane. It's the bulldog right there. All right, Shane. So we started the season there at Mississippi State with Tudor Gate, all the suspensions. Now we got Punch Gate. Oh
3: God. <laughs> <laughs>
4: As if this thing couldn't get more wacky down here. Mississippi State, one of the weirdest years that I've ever can recall covering the SEC, and I've been doing it for a couple years now. Garrett Schrader, Shane, we saw Joe Moorhead came out the other day, said this guy's earned the starting spot. He's been solid down the stretch. Tommy Stevens is healthy, but we're giving it to Schrader. And then all of a sudden here, Mississippi State comes out on Thursday announces Tommy Stevens is going to start for the Bulldogs in the Music City Bowl against Louisville. And keep in mind, Shane, I know Kylan Hill has come out and said, you know, he's going pro, but he's going to play in the in the game. Mm-hmm. Brian Cole, one of their outstanding, their senior defensive backs, he is sitting out this game. Cameron Dantzler, another one of their uh, better players in the secondary there, also is sitting out this bowl game. Now we got a quarterback switch, and that's not even the biggest news, Shane. The biggest news, oh, Garrett Schrader's going to miss a game because after practice he got punched in the face.
2: Jeez.
4: Got punched by, I'm told, by Mr. Willie Gay, a linebacker, one of the guys involved in the Tudor situation here. And, man, Shane, I just – now, there's a lot of people saying that uh, – you know, Willie Gay not at fault here. I don't really know the inner workings here. I guess maybe Garrett Schrader was asking for it. That's not me saying that, but that's that's what a lot of people are saying. But that may be the case. Shane, but I just cannot wrap my head around why anyone is punching their starting quarterback to the point where I mean, this happened about ten days ago from from the bowl game, from when it occurred to the bowl games. That's a span of ten days, and he's he still can't. He's not practicing. Um, I mean, I thought there was a question whether he's gonna even going to show up to the game. Apparently, Garrett Schrader will be at the game, mm-hmm. but he cannot play. And God, this is just this is just the latest embarrassment here for Joe Moorhead's program here. And I do not even know. I'm almost at a loss for words here. And I don't, you know, Mississippi State fans. I've I've heard other people say this. You know, this is just this this type of stuff happens, and I it does. I mean, you have to have an edge to you to be. You know, play college football at this elite level so it's not like oh my god they're, they're fighting like we've got to cancel the program that's not the point <laughs> i make it i understand these things happen but at the same time I just can't imagine why you're punching your starting quarterback to the point where he's out <laughs> 10 days later i mean that's, i think that's almost inexcusable
3: and, then, and the stranger's the one that's out so it must have been real bad you know what i'm saying because you're not supposed to put a finger on the quarterback and that which makes me think whatever Schrader either said or did was like I mean it had to be extreme you know what I'm saying so I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to get some leak stories I don't want to speculate but I just know it's going to be bad whatever it is and I know a lot of uh, Bulldog fans would like to just sweep this under the rug and act like nothing's going on but uh, that's your quarterback brother you know what I'm saying that's that's the guy that's supposed to be leading this team next year and he's not gonna be able to play in a bowl game because he can't get along with one of the players so uh that uh, red flag ha- did go up and I am curious what happened but you know I'm sure they've got all off to work this thing out but it does worry me a little bit about this bowl game it just makes me feel like maybe the the, the heads aren't into it you know what I'm saying Hmm. And Joe Moorhead's calling it a upper body injury. <laughs>
4: oh, he <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> fall on a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> no suspensions here for Mississippi State. So that just kind of adds some intrigue to it. Like, I don't know. It's like. Isn't it suspension though? I mean, you're saying that he won't play. I mean. Well, he's not playing because apparently he's. Uh... I've, I've read a report. I, I want to credit these people. I, th- I think it's Mississippi State uh, 247 site saying he's got a busted optical something sure. so I mean, I mean like he like he physically i guess cannot play
3: now is so gay he, playing
4: yeah that's the, that's what i'm saying here so there's no other players being so i'm not imagining this is any kind of like sucker punch situation you know what i mean if it were can't imagine you'd let anyone else play here so i don't know that just adds another layer to it and uh i don't know if we're ever going to get the full you know story here but Man, imagine losing this game in a game you're favorite in against a first year coach who they just got destroyed by Kentucky. Yeah. And you come out here in the bowl game and you, I mean, I'm just hoping Joe Moorhead wins this one, because he's this is gonna be something that can be talked about all off season if they lose this game, particularly if Tommy Stevens doesn't play well. And hell, we have we never have even seen Keaton Thompson this year. I mean, we saw him in the Egg Bowl as a receiver, and that, that was about <laughs> the only time I can recall seeing him on the field. So there's just so many questions about how this whole situation has been handled all season, and it's just it's almost to the point where Mississippi State, Joe Moore, they've got to be
3: just want the season to be over at this point. You know what? Yeah, and it, I mean they they were on such a high too, beating Ole Miss. You know, for the Egg Bowl, that was just it, it seemed like that was as good as it got. And after that, we had, uh, we had a decent recruiting class, you know, coach came out and said he got all the guys he wanted, but you know, I, I don't know. It just, it seems like it was kind of just, you know, blah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you've got this news flaring up right before the Louisville game and. And the last thing you want to do is end the season with an L. If you could, if you could close this one out with three victories, at the end of the season, you know, leave on a positive note. I was hoping mm-hmm. to see Schrader in there just so we we could see life uh, of what this team's going to look like next season uh, with another month of practice under his belt. I just, I don't know, and healthy. It just, I don't know. I, I hated to hear this, and uh, you know, Coach, the, they know what's going on, and there's a reason. Uh, that there was no suspensions, and, and, and probably because it's your quarterback's fault, man. All right, Shane, well, let's jump on down to
4: Texas A&M.
3: Gig'em, Aggies.
4: Because the Aggies got themselves a bowl game, Shane. This is going to be the first SEC bowl game of the bowl season. There, They're playing in the Texas Bowl on Friday evening here, 6.30 Eastern time on ESPN, 5.45 Central time, playing Oklahoma State. You know, former Big 12 rival here. Uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo Shane, who I know he's not been at uh, A&M that long, but you know this is a, he understands the significance, his fan base, how badly they're going to want to. They have it. I don't want to say have it out for the Big 12, but uh, you know it's it's obvious the SEC is a better league overall,
2: mm-hmm. and I
4: think they take a ton of pride in that fact. But you see all these damn arguments, Big 12 SEC. It seems like every time I'm on. Aggie Twitter. That's kind of all I'm seeing there. So Jimbo Fisher kind of talks about that on the Big Twelve teams, and you know the there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of times they get made fun of for not playing any defense. Jimbo Fisher's not really buying that on Oklahoma State's running game. He talks a little bit on that on facing Oklahoma State when he was at FSU. These two teams have played, and that I thought the most interesting part of his entire presser here was on the momentum or maybe kind of the myth of momentum that you can get winning in a bowl game and then we'll discuss it on the other side this in
0: this well uh, th- th- listen there's some really good offensive players <laughs> there's some really good offensive players on that on those teams too because when they go outside their conference they're still scoring points and moving but yes they do play defense they're very physical safeties tackle very well can rush up inside the corners, I mean, going to got the corner going to the senior bowl, they're big, they're long on the edges, can play, and uh, they're a good defensive football team, and their scheme causes you different problems. How much more explosive are they in the run game? Oh, no doubt. I mean, just the ability, I mean, not only on design runs when they want to do that, but just the ability to make a guy miss and, and extend the play, ad-lib a play, pull a, you know, pull a zone read and do those kind of things. I mean, it, it makes a big, big difference in – and, I mean, it keeps – because when that quarterback can run and make plays and, I mean, run for long distances, you, you have to account for that. And that's, that's – even in your rush game. I mean, even say you're rushing and it's a pass and he scrambles and you're matched up in your coverages and how you how you make your coverages and all those things, it makes a big difference. Jerry's
3: world, if the game was like that, that
0: was – Oh, it was a phenomenal game. Yeah. Yeah, Tyreek Hill was running kickoffs all over the place. That was his best game back. and. He was running, and they were playing, and we were scoring on our side, and Jameis and them were making plays. I mean, it was, it was a heck of a football game it went down to the end, and they had a very good team. And uh, I think they had a good thing, Then their, their quarterback Walsh ended up getting hurt later in the year, and, and hurt because they were top. They'd won 10 games the year before, 10 or 11 games, something like that, had a great season. I remember preparing for that team. That was a very good football team. Did a really good job.
3: Uh, Jim, how, how much stock can you put in a strong, bold performance, possibly
0: carrying over, both momentum, off-season and into the next season? Well, I, well I, here's what I always say about that. It's a great feeling because it sends you off in the offseason with a great positive note and you want to win the bowl game and you want to play well. But it's still two different football teams. I don't care what – that group – this is the last time this group of guys will ever play on a football field together. See, when you put that in perspective, you don't think about that. I mean, this exact group of guys, this is the last time they'll ever play together. So that dynamic of that team is right now. You want to end it great for them. It's a great positive experience for your guys learning how to prepare for a bowl game, how to mentally get ready, how to have the preparations, because that's an art. Listen, we're the only sport in America that ends its season and waits a month to play. I mean, think about it. Nothing, basketball rolls into it, football, I mean, baseball. We always say this in pro baseball. Remember the teams that win the the, – the, in the divisional series, they'll go 4-0 and the other team will go seven games. Well, they're setting for five days and they come back and look like they can't hit a ball or pitch a ball or, or throw a ball. I mean, you know, that's the dynamic and I think there's an art to that. So for your young guys, the ability to understand how to prepare for a bowl game, I think that's very good. It carries on and it's a great feeling going in the off season that you had success in the game. So, I mean, that is, it's a great for your program. There's no doubt you want to win the game. But, you know, as far as going into the next season, that team has to develop its own identity, its own culture because... The guys on the team previously aren't there anymore. There's some guys that are going to change. You bring in a whole new group of guys that you guys have all spoiled and told them how great they are, and they're all superstars in the recruiting world, and they're all going to start as freshmen. So I got to to deal with that when I get back. No, I joke about that. But, I mean, it is. I mean, it's a great feeling, but, you know, it's still two different teams.
4: All right, Shane. Why I really wanted to include that clip there of the momentum comment because I just don't think – You know, by no means Jimbo on the hot seat here. He's recruiting like a maniac for the Aggies. And it looks like for years to come, their roster is going to be stacked with, you know, more talent than they've had maybe ever. So it's way, way too early to be hitting the panic button here. But if they come out and drop an egg here and lose this game to Oklahoma State, that'll be the sixth loss of the season. And I just, I don't know. I think Jimbo and the Aggies are going to be hearing about it all off season. If they can't beat this Oklahoma state team that, uh, you know, they're a quality team. They beat Missouri last year in the bowl season. So they got experience beating an sec team, but what are your thoughts on that? Shane? I mean, I know this is an underrated, under the radar bowl game here, but how important is this one for Jimbo and the Aggies to just kind of have that momentum all off season?
3: I think it's very big. And I, I think it, Has more to do with how they closed out the season, man. You know they had that tough close game with Georgia, and they got blew out by LSU. And it just—I don't know. It just the thing about Texas A&M, seven and five is not what this these fans wanted. You know, the Mm -hmm. fact—I mean, the recruiting's great. Yes, Uh, was there glimpses of of what we got to look at in the future? Because there's a lot of young talent on this team. Yes, but. Mm You know, the fact of the matter is Jimbo didn't beat a ranked opponent all year long. You know, they had a tough schedule. I get that. But, you know, they they just weren't able to close out any of these games that really, you know, they were not the favorite, you know. So I say all that, to say this, Mike, this is another top 25 team. This is something that we're going to build off. We're going to get these fans pumped up about next year. 2019's over. All right, it's time to focus on next season, and you do that by beating the Mullet here, a top 25 team. <laughs> Show some positive things during this game to give your fans something to look forward to next season. Because again, the schedule ain't easy in the West. It'll never be easy in the West. But Jimbo's got to start winning these games that he's not the favorite in, or mm-hmm. the you know at least the top 25 games. They should you should always go into that game not knowing who's going to win. You
4: know. Right, yeah, I mean, that's where he's got to get the program to make it to where he's – that huge contract, you know, he's got to earn that. He got that on a lot of reputation, and I'm not saying it wasn't deserved. I mean, it was pretty shocking when he got it, just the figures of it, but mm-hmm. I would certainly say thus far, outside of his outstanding recruiting, not yet earned it for Texas A&M. Not, certainly not saying, you know, they made a bad hire or anything or the program's going in the wrong direction, but right. – it's time for him to show what that's, you know, that he's worth all that, and it starts here, and it's got to carry over to the next season, otherwise you got to
3: be wondering what in the heck we're doing here. You know what? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's time. I mean, it's time. This is this is the year. I know two. You know, was this year two? Mm-hmm. Year two's not, but year three is when they really start judging you, and if we don't see that step forward that step toward actually competing in the West, then that seat's going to get hot quick. I mean, down there, I mean, they're they're spending a lot of money, and uh, they're not going to tolerate it, man. Well, let's kick it over to uh, the mullet man, Shane,
4: Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State's coach, uh, talking about the momentum of his team. He sounded pretty confident going into this one. And then he has faced, like I said, he's faced this Jimbo Fisher offense in the past, sees a lot of similarities here than what he saw when uh, Jimbo was at FSU. I believe these two played in a season opener, so it was kind of a, almost a similar situation here where you know, they have more than uh, several weeks to prepare for one another. Gundy kind of, if I'm an A&M fan, I think I would appreciate these comments he's got on uh, what he sees in this Texas A&M program.
3: How fortunate have things been for you coming into this? Chuba makes the decision. He wants to finish the season. Regardless of his future, and then you get Spencer healthy. You're kind of, you know, maybe at full strength, but you got a lot closer than maybe it looked
1: earlier. We've had uh, we've had a great year. Um, we've had uh, a few ups and downs, like most teams, based on things that uh, sometimes are out of our hands. Uh, but uh, Chuba is a uh, first-class young man, and um, he, he and his family have to make uh, a decision based on this game and then uh, his future. And that, that's a personal matter for him. And it's different for every young man that we've had over the last 10 or 12 years that had an opportunity uh, that he has at this point. Uh, but for us, we're excited, we're thrilled. Uh, personally, for me, uh, and I've said this, uh, I think it's important for um, players to compete in bowl games. That's just my opinion. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Um, sometimes they choose not to, it's okay. but. Um, I'm glad that he made the decision that he's made, and I know our team is excited, the fans and the bowl. The bowl's excited about him uh, playing and uh, be out there running around a little bit. What do
3: you think about A&M's offensive
1: attack? Well, they're, they're a good team. They, they've recruited very well. They understand their system. Um, coach has been in it for a long time. Uh, the majority of it looks like uh, it did when he was back at the other school. Um, They they want to run the football. They do a good job of uh, getting in some bunch packages and getting four strong and passing game and such for all the man coverage things that that they see in in practice themselves in August and in the spring. Uh, And they have skilled guys that can make plays, and the quarterback can do a good job with his feet. Coach, you met with uh, Jim O'Fisher and Arlington in 2014.
4: So what have you seen with him and his offensive identity that he's been able to bring over to
1: college A lot of similarities, as I was saying. Um, the packages, the, the concepts uh, from an outsider looking in. Um, there's a lot of similarities, and that's what most of us do, right? We, we, uh, we go back to the things we believe in um, at some point. Uh, play callers, uh, guys that are schemers, are creatures of habit, and uh, there's a lot of similarities in, in what he's doing now compared to at the other school.
4: All right, Shane, so when I heard this, you know, I wanted to skip on over here, see what Oklahoma State's been up to. You know, they've not really beaten any elite teams. They did beat Iowa State, which is ranked, but, you know, they lost to Texas, lost to Baylor, lost to Oklahoma. None of those games were particularly, you know, blowouts necessarily, but I just don't think that uh, this is a team that should be beating Texas A&M. They're not of the same caliber, but... It seems like Mike Gundy and his Oklahoma pro, Oklahoma State program, hell, they've made a reputation on beating teams. They probably had no business beating here. So mm-hmm. this is an 8-4 team. If Texas A&M does not take them seriously, I could certainly see uh, the Aggies drop in a game they shouldn't.
3: And they shouldn't, man. This is, a, this is not a good team. It's an overrated coach. I hate Mike Gundy. Just kidding. I don't hate people, but <laughs> – you know, he's up there on a list of people I strongly do not like. You know what I'm saying? I hope that this isn't a ball game. I hope that they come out and with guns ablazing, man, and they just put a put a whooping on the on the on the cowboys here because uh, I I think that Texas ADM has way more way much more talent, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the fact that, that its young talent's even better. Uh, especially for a bowl game because these guys aren't thinking about the NFL. They're thinking about next season. They're thinking about competing and and I hope that's kind of the vibe they've had down here at practice the last few weeks. So uh, it, it's time to get to work, man. If you're if you're an Aggie fan, if you're you know you're you're spending all this money to watch this ball club and uh you, you, I mean it's the excuses are done. You know, we get you were young, but you're not young now. Okay, you've had a whole a whole season uh, to to get ready for this type of ball game, and and this shouldn't be this shouldn't be close at all, man. All right, so Texas A&M
4: favored by five and a half points. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking in this one?
3: Oh man, lock of the week right here, buddy. Because I just told you, how, <laughs> I, I I think the Aggies just got too much firepower for them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm looking at the schedule. I haven't watched any of uh, Oklahoma State uh, games this year, mm-hmm. but I do know that they're three and four against Texas teams, baby. So, <laughs> meaning three losses and only one victory against the TCU Horned frog. So, I, I think. Uh, given that fact, I've got the Aggies winning 38, Oklahoma State 17.
4: Ooh. All right, Shane. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on par with you here. Uh, yeah, obviously, last season, Texas A&M finished strong on a high note, beat the hell out of uh, NC State in their bowl game. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be much of the same. My only concern here is, Texas A&M down to only one scholarship running back. It'd be interesting to see. And and that's of course the freshman Isaiah Spiller, who's been outstanding down the stretch. So it's not like they don't have a good one here, but depth could be an issue. Can he go the entire game? Maybe he can. That's he's had a month to prepare. So it's a, it's a good thing they (laughs) didn't have any games leading up to this. Otherwise that would be a bigger issue for me. Uh, but, uh, One thing, Justin Matabuke, their outstanding defensive tackle, You know, he's announced he's going pro, he's not playing in this game. I think that's going to be a little bit tougher here for the Texas A&M defense. Uh, From what I understand here, Oklahoma State's got a good rushing attack. So I'm picking the Aggies to win and cover like you, but I'm not going quite as high. I'm going 30, Texas A&M 30, I'm going to give Oklahoma State 24. I think it's going to be a six-point game, but I like the Aggies to win and cover. All right, Shane, and then we got the big one here on Saturday night, college football playoffs, LSU, Oklahoma. (laughs) Let's kick it over to Coach O'Shane talking about uh, the latest on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He spoke with the media here on Thursday on the fact that, uh, you know, you really do need an elite quarterback to win in today's era of college football uh, on the offensive line and the coach James Craig, who this unit just won the Joe Moore award given to the the nation's top offensive line. And then I really liked his uh, comment here. The final one we got here on just how focused this team is. There's no, you know, they're not coming to Atlanta. They're not celebrating. They're not taking in the city. Sounds like they're coming in, taking care of business, and then they're on to the next one.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, John had a problem with fumbling the football at the beginning of the year. So he lost some reps there, but he has worked hard on it fine. It's two different running backs like Thunder and Lightning. Uh, I think I think Tyron's been the most consistent back, uh, can run the football in the middle, can get the outside. John has the ability to break the long one. He has a little bit better speed than Tyron. And also Chris Curry. Chris has come along. Uh, Chris is a very bruising back, a dominating back. So I think all three of those guys – uh, do different things, you know. With Clyde, he did everything well. I mean, he blocked well, he ran inside, ran outside, mm-hmm. and caught the football well. But we're gonna have to adjust if Clyde doesn't play, to, and rotate those backs to do what they can do best.
1: How
2: how no, I don't think so because I don't know. I don't think they know our backs. <laughs> I don't think they know what our, our backs can do like we know. And obviously, we're not gonna do the same thing. Put the same back in every time. Uh, we're going to switch things up. Yeah. Is that the time a in college? I think so. I think so. I think that, you know, I've been a part, been fortunate to be a four national championships, and uh, two at Miami and, and, and two at USC, and we had great quarterbacks. Uh, two of them were Heisman Trophy winners, uh, three of them were Heisman Trophy winners out of the four. So, you know, they make a difference, obviously phenomenal a plus you know again on vacation james didn't take one day of vacation his offensive line worked out four days a week at six o'clock in the morning he was with them every day and the time that you know you have two hours that you can coach him he used those two hours every time every week uh he you know john robertson who's a a big time consultant for him as an offensive line guy sat in every meeting. Now he doesn't coach him, he listens up. He came to me about, I guess, about three weeks in camp. He said, Coach, I'm going to tell you what, you have an excellent offensive line coach. He is building something special. You know, the guys got camaraderie led by Lloyd Cushionberry and D. Lou. Uh, now that we got everybody healthy, Sadiq's playing and Austin's playing, we got some backups. Just proud of what they've done. Obviously, we got more to go. But so far those guys have been excellent. You told me
4: I'm not just Joe, I guess, but the team. Y'all I mean y'all swept a bunch of awards, the Alliance got an award, had some time
2: off. What is their what did their focus level look like? Today? Been phenomenal. Been phenomenal. It started with me. Uh, I think the intensity in the meeting with myself and the focus uh and talking to them about why we're here, what we're gonna do and what's the expectation. Dallas U standard of performance and uh There's not a lot of uh, free time to where uh, guys are going out and visit the town and stuff like that. We're here to win a game, and we're going to prepare. And I think that these guys know how to prepare. And today's been a phenomenal start.
4: All right, Shane. So there sounds it's it's kind of interesting how you know Oklahoma's the team that uh, they've been in the college football playoff year after year, yet it's. LSU, Coach O's team, they're the ones that have played in this, not in the Peach Bowl, but the same stadium here in Atlanta, obviously with the SEC championship game. So two games back-to-back. It's it's just interesting to me that they're both kind of in the same arena. And if they do win it, Shane, they're going to be in New Orleans for the national championship game. You just can't write a better story than that. But uh, thoughts on what Coach O had to say here? and. You know, based on what he had to say, it doesn't sound to me like uh, the Clydesdale is going to play. Although offensive coordinator Steve Ensminger came out here on Thursday as well and said, you know, no doubt in his mind, the Clydesdale's going to play. So we got some some gamesmanship here by one of them. I just can't figure out which one.
3: Yeah, that, that's got me questioning because I everything I'm reading, it just feels like he's not going to be there. And I don't know if, if, if he's coming out just, you know, trying to, you know, keep keep Oklahoma on their toes, you know, use it as a, okay, well, if we say he is, they got to prepare for Clydesdale to be there, plus the off chance that he won't. I mean I mean, it throws a little wrench, I guess, in game script and game planning. But they don't have a lot of film study without him on the field, so I, I don't know what the mm-hmm. advantage of that really would be. But uh, I hope we see him out there. I, I really do. But I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor. I, I think it's going to hurt. You know, I think it hurts more. Joe just having that safety blanket that that you know that out that he's always comfortable just you know tossing it down to. I think it's going to hurt not having that safety blanket there, you know, I think that's the biggest one for Joe is, is, is having the Clydesdale is just, I don't know. He's an outlet and if things aren't looking right downfield, he always had Clyde to look for. And if he's not on that field, I do think that it does affect this passing game more than the running game. And I know that sounds so, so dumb, but I, I think that's just a part of of Joe's offense here. So I, I hope he's back, but I don't I don't think it's gonna be as big of a factor in this one here. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I think what it taught me, Shane, is Oh, Steve Ensmerry, I think he's a better poker player than <laughs> Coach O. I don't think uh Coach O, for as much as we love him, I don't think he's worth uh I don't think he's very good at bluffing. That's how that's how I read this. <laughs> he's just he's
3: he thought it was Tell the Truth Monday again, didn't he? <laughs>
4: Well, let's flip over to uh, the Oklahoma side here briefly, Shane. I just thought uh, these were kind of the highlights. You know, Lincoln Riley, obviously know about him. I've watched his team play a little bit here, but didn't realize what a terrible interview he is. He's just kind of monotone and doesn't say much interesting. But I found his comments here on the Clydesdale and how that changes LSU, if at all, without him playing. Uh, Jalen Hurts, again, kind of much of the same. He's got not a whole lot to say, but I thought Alabama fans may appreciate uh, his thoughts on their continuing their support for him. And it's an interesting spot here for Crimson Tide fans because you know they're going to be rooting for Jalen Hurts to knock off LSU here. And then finally on, uh, I don't even know who this is, but I just thought this was a great clip here, one of the Sooner defenders being asked why his nickname's the (laughs) K-9.
2: said that edwards is going to try to play,
0: but he's not going to be 100 percent for sure. Might not play at all. he's not there, not 100 percent. How I don't think a ton. I mean, they've, you know, they're LSU. They've got. It's not like they don't have. They have a bunch of bombs behind them, you know. So they, you know, they've done a good job offensively. I don't think they'll change a bunch. I mean, he's a good player. Um, no question. He's been a key for them. Uh, but you know, just like us in some positions, that's part of the end of the season, and you gotta, you know, these games st- here at the end tend to test your depth. Hey, Jason. It's
1: about, how do you feel like you're, you left things without with fans? Do You feel, I mean, do you still kind of feel the love from them on
2: social media and Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I appreciate the support that they've shown. Um, this entire year. Um, I appreciate it genuinely. I mean I, I think that says it all, you know, the fact that they're supporting me, um, they're there for me, they're you know, wishing me luck and, and hoping that hoping the best for, for, for the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean that that's that's a great thing. Oh, I'm good.
0: Here with Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray and I love your nickname. It is K nine. Can you tell me how and why that came about?
1: Um I mean, kind of shortly after I arrived at Norman, um, you know, I kind of told the equipment guys I wanted, you know, a single digit, um, and happened to be number nine, and uh, about a week later, one of my teammates was like, you know, I'm going to call you K-9 from now on, and um, you know, after that day, it just stuck, and so, um, you know, kind of described my style of play, you know, I I like to hunt people down, um, and and just, you know, be a dog out there.
0: Hunt people down, be a dog, I thought it was because you had a lot of bite, you got a lot of good tackles, you're up there biting quarterbacks.
1: I, I like to hunt, so that's what I do. All
4: right, Shane, you think the K nine <laughs> breaks loose on LSU Oh,
3: oh boy, I think she'd like to reel that one back in, don't you think? <laughs> 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 oh man, I was just—I was thinking of like dog jokes that you could have had, you know, like <laughs> like chasing balls, you know, yeah. <laughs> You like chewing up yardage there? I, I don't know. I, I think, I think she, uh, she, she probably should have left that one out. But yeah, I don't even know who K nine is, and probably won't. You know Probably won't after this game because she's going to drill him. But uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped up for this one. Um, I did like the Alabama comments because I'm telling you right now, there was a lot of support. For Jalen, you know, coming out of Tuscaloosa, a lot of these, a lot of these fans know what he put on the line. He didn't have to stick around last year, and he did uh, help them win some ball games. And I'm telling you what, they wish they'd had him this year, you know, because mm-hmm. he'd still probably be in a playoff just in a different uniform. So this one here. You know, he's not said a lot of comments this season, but this was the only thing I've heard him say positive since he's been up in Oklahoma. And, uh, and I think that, that makes the, these words even more impactful, in my opinion. So who are you picking in the game, Shane? LSU favored by 13.5. This is
4: one of the biggest point spreads that I can recall in the playoff era. I don't think it's the biggest, but yeah. – Uh, it's got to be up there. Any chance the Sooners – I know you're going to be picking LSU to win, but any chance the Sooners cover this 13.5 points? I'm worried about the
3: spread, man, Uh, mainly because of uh, Clydesdale. And I – You know, a lot of people say if you could take one person off this team and make a difference in this offense, obviously you're thinking Joe. But I think close second would be Clydesdale just because, you know, something Coach talked about was the blocking. Uh, I've already talked about the check down, Joe's security blanket. I I just think that that's a factor that, you know, that a lot of people don't realize is going to be missing in this offense. So uh, I think there is a chance they cover, but – (laughs) <laughs> but i said all that to say this this is a fantastic ball club this is this is a deep ball club and uh they're on a mission man to complete the perfect season and i just don't think that they're going to take their foot off the gas i think these these wide receivers are going to have oh man they're going to have a monumental saturday so i've got lsu winning this game 49 oklahoma 20 ooh, 22 that's a rare one i just thought i'd throw you off <laughs> they got lucky on the safety
4: yeah again so my i don't even know if this is a concern at this point i kind of keep saying this and it's not happening so maybe i'm just spinning my wheels here but at some point i gotta wonder shane if all this you know all this hype all this media all this uh you know coverage what have you I wonder if it begins to take its toll on LSU. I mean, they're like the darling of the nation now, Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, that was outstanding. His Heisman speech, it's led to about half a million dollars there for his Athens community, uh, for the people in need up there. So it just seems like the the entire world now is focused on LSU and this team in I don't know, during the media session, that was one of my main takeaways. You know, there's not a whole lot you can glean from these things, but they really have, like, a big media day here on Thursday. And Joe Burrow seemed a little sick. Maybe that was it. He seemed a little over it. I don't know. That's – I guess I'm just saying all those words, Shane, to say that's the only way that I think this is, you know, not a game where LSU blows them out. Maybe they're just – because I don't think it's going to be a lack of focus, but just maybe – You know, energy is is not there. Uh, You got got a couple mistakes on the field. Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma, grind out that clock, keep the ball running. Remember, I mean, this is an Oklahoma offensive coordinator. There's a reason why a lot of NFL teams want to hire this guy. He's producing back-to-back NFL number one picks, three Heisman finalists in a row, two winners. I mean, if there's one guy that's going to be able to exploit Any and all weaknesses on LSU's defense, it's going to be Lincoln Riley. Now, can Jalen Hurts make the throws that are necessary? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Um, I think this could be a real back-and-forth game here for a little while, Uh, but kind of like you were hitting at there, I think the biggest mismatch in this game is going to be LSU's receivers against that Oklahoma secondary And Joe Burrow, despite all those things I just said about him, I mean, this guy is just playing at such an incredibly high level. I mean, this may go down as the single greatest single season in college football history. And unless he comes out here and throws a complete egg, I cannot see Oklahoma winning this game. So it just seems like LSU is the team on the mission They're going to continue that march to New Orleans. And how perfect is that? Cocho coming home, national championship on the line if they get a win on Saturday, and they're going to get it done, Shane. I'm going LSU 45,
3: Oklahoma
4: 28.
3: I like that, Mike. SCC's <laughs> <laughs> dominant, baby. I, I hope this is the year that we win every bowl game. You know, it usually doesn't happen, but I don't know. It just feels like this could be the season. As long as Mississippi State gets their sh- – together you
4: know Mhm. and here we go monday tuesday wednesday thursday every single one of those days we got sec bowl action next week fired up for that well here's one thing i did want to hit you up with shay because i thought this is kind of weird yeah. no i don't this isn't the first time this has happened but isn't it kind of odd that we're getting the college football playoff before all these games it's almost like you know it doesn't kill the buzz for these games but it almost feels like they should be at the end here, maybe on New Year's Day or what have you. And I don't know. Does it take anything away for you that we're having the the biggest games first and then we have all these games after it? It, it just seems kind of backwards to me.
3: I, I think so, man. Uh, that's something that I, me and my buddy were discussing the other day. It's just, you know, let's get the other bowl games out of the way and then let's, let's let these guys play. I mean, we're talking an extra week, an extra two weeks, you know, to prepare for – I mean, back-to-back Saturdays, you know, of ultimate games. Now it just feels like it all got crammed in. And say what you want. the the Even the freaking uh, Ohio State game, you know, Clemson game, I'm going to be watching. And it's just – it's just – I don't know. It's it, – it feels to me like they just they put too much together. They like you said they should have put this one at the end so we could just focused on the focus on the playoffs, focus on the four best teams in the nation, and instead of just getting thrown in together with the other games. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, so I mean, I hope it doesn't take away from Did these they... games on Saturday. Has it always been like that? I mean, I I always thought it was toward the end. I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think we've had. Had this, uh, I think it was two years ago, it was kind of like this. And it was the one where, you know, Clemson beat the hell out of Ohio State. I think it was like 30-0. to zero. And then Alabama, I can't remember who they beat. Maybe it was Michigan State or something like that. But yeah. it was two kind of like boring-ass games. So I'm really just hoping that doesn't happen again. One LSU to win. But it would be kind of fun if it was a little bit more interesting. I guess that Ohio State-Clemson game. I mean, I'm rooting for them both to lose, but plus,
3: plus you can make it two late games. You know what I'm saying? It's like now it's four o'clock, and if you're doing, I mean. People are doing stuff on the weekends now, you know, because college football is kind of, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just getting to maybe because I have to work that day. I'm just a little upset that <laughs> there's a chance I may miss the kick opening kickoff. But uh, no, I'm am looking forward to it. I, I'm not going to miss the, the game, but uh, it just feels like it should be two eight o'clock primetime matchups that we should be mm-hmm. watching.
4: I agree. All right, Shane, I think that's going to do it unless you got anything before we hop off here.
3: I got some reviews. Uh-oh. All right, Mike. First one. Now, this one's going to hurt a little bit, Mike, but you were hard <laughs> on this Kentucky Wildcats, so he sent your you review. And I don't think you were that hard. I'll let you defend yourself. That SEC Podcast is a five-star football show. This is from tgh thirty-three sixteen. Uh, one of the uh, bourbon betters that we had five star, mm-hmm. Shane. You are the man. I won't argue with you there. You carry the show, <laughs> and no doubt five star ho- host. Keep it going, Mike. Based on your twenty four seven rankings, you're only a three star host. Work harder, do better. Love the show, guys. Keep up the good work. And the SEC news coming. Bourbon's up. Go Cats. Blue gets in. Todd and Lexington. TGH thirty three sixteen. I appreciate you and those kind words, but we all know that without Mike, this show does not exist.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, say what you want about me. Just give us that five-star review. You can give me
3: a damn one-star. I'm still happy. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, TGH, I appreciate you. I appreciate the bourbon as well. J Buck, 92014, a good podcast, five-star Fair review of each team, good or bad. Well, Jay Buck, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for that one. Next one comes from, oh my God, backseat pooper. Hey- <laughs> <laughs> God, it's going to be one of those. Hey, 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 buddy, five star. My favorite podcast. Love listening to Mike's detail and Shane's color commentary. Love my Kentucky football and their coverage. They will be representing the East in Atlanta in 2020. My therapist says, I need to discuss something anonymously, but publicly. By Shane reading this review, I'll be able to fulfill that request. (laughs) It was the year 2008. I was 11 years old, and my mom and my Aunt Frankie were taking a trip to northern Indiana from eastern Kentucky. We were in my Aunt Frankie's car, and I was in the back seat. Before we started the trip, my mom made me pack, made me a pack of three musketeers and a 12-pack of Mountain Dew for nourishment. By the time we got to Cincinnati, I had to poop real bad because of the overload of sugar, but my mom wouldn't stop because of the big, tra- big time traffic situation. But I had to poop a big one real bad. My mom wouldn't stop in the middle of downtown Cincinnati, so I... Wait, let me start. What, what the hell is this for you? I, I don't know. I'm reading it. I didn't make this thing. We're halfway through, Mike. My mom wouldn't stop, and in the middle of downtown Cincinnati, I pooped a nasty one in the backseat of my Aunt Frankie's car. <laughs> they were real upset, but it ain't like I didn't tell them it was coming. I mean, what the heck they expect? anyways it left a big brown stain in the seat and my aunt frankie died shortly afterwards my aunt rita now has the car but is in a fight with the church that thinks they own the car the church nor aunt rita knows what the brown stain in the back seat is there but okay it's all but aunt rita knows why there's a brown stain in the back seat but that's okay i think i feel real bad about the situation still uh but that's life i guess thanks guys keep up the good work <laughs> keep this show <laughs> dropping at 6 a.m oh my gosh backseat pooper i appreciate you brother <laughs> thanks <laughs> Golly. oh kyle matlock please be a good one kyle matlock hey 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 big orange buddy five star First off, love the content. Y'all's conversations crack me up and teach me a little bit about football. Secondly, you got to try this. Play Jimbo's interviews at half speed, and he sounds like a drunk guy. Sam Pittman (laughs) talks normal. Then play Pittman at one and a half speed, and he sounds like Jimbo. (laughs) Kills me every time. Anyways, love the work y'all do, and I really enjoy reading Michael's work on Saturday Down South. If I want real in-depth knowledge of what's going on in the SEC, this is the podcast I listen to. And for anyone saying they're too biased, Shane is the only UT fan I've ever heard say, I like this Florida team, and it hurts my heart to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand. you got to be honest. I'm a huge Vols fan, currently wearing a UT Santa hat at work, and I really appreciate the honest look at each team. Whether I agree with it or not, keep it up and go Big Orange. Well, Kyle Matlock, I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate
4: that. We appreciate all our reviews. If you want to leave one, Shane will read it here on the air for you. But, uh, I think that's going to do it for this one, Shane. And Thanks for joining me, as always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Get ready for this uh, college football playoff
3: SEC bowl action. I can't wait for it absolutely man i appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us hope y'all had a merry christmas i hope y'all have a happy new year just be safe but bottoms up i'm with you (laughs) yes sir Yes. all right man see you guys go balls backseat
1: pooper oh my gosh